All right, live from Studio 6B on a Thursday night. Glad you're in. Real America's Voice, Dish Network Channel 219, Pluto TV Channel 240, Samsung TV Plus Channel 1029 on day one of CPAC and on day one of the invasion of Ukraine when we left the show last night. Seemed like things were ramping up right around 10 o'clock as we were leaving. We, we were talking about the fact that it started to uh, look like something was going on. And that's exactly what happened. By the time I got home, it was in full-fledged uh, missiles were fl- rockets were flying. Mostly a peaceful war, from what I understand from CNN. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen that floating around, yeah. Mostly peaceful war. Uh, oh, I thought I made that up, damn it. No. Uh, Paul Nolan's here. It's going to have some news. Rick Delgado's here. Rick Emirati's got sports. Geo Fran holding it down, as always. Uh, lots to get into, obviously. Um, the president today. We'll talk about that. <laughs> we'll talk about a lot of things. I mean, I, you know. Which president? Uh, the illegitimate one? Unfortunately, or unfortunately <laughs> ours. I'm sorry. Who, um, I don't know. I mean, I guess, I, guess I, I go back to what I tweeted at the time I was watching it. I mean, if, if, you're, if you're any one of our enemies, and you're Putin or you're Xi, and you're watching this guy, and you're watching this press conference, you're laughing, laughing, laughing. <clears throat> I saw Zero Hedge put out a thing said the Russian banks basically gave us the big, big middle finger after this and said, yeah, we, we've, already, we've already taken uh, precautions for your sanctions. I mean, no, no, um, nothing personally, not going after Vla- Vladimir Putin personally, nothing about SWIFT, and um, I don't know how you take any of it seriously. And by the way, we'll just we'll, we'll reconvene in 30 days and see how... <laughs> See how it's going. That blew me away. Blew me away. We'll reconvene in 30 days to see how it's going. Oh. That sounds about right. Yeah. 30 days dating. (laughs) Okay. Um, Yeah, we'll actually give you 27 days. We don't want, we we want to be very specific so you can plan accordingly. (laughs) Exactly. I mean, for those of us who thought maybe, or, or the way they talked about, there would be crippling sanctions. We got nothing even close to that. We have no crippling sanctions. We have no even thought about SWIFT, or if there is a thought, obviously Germany seems to be the one. Germany seems to be an issue on many levels. Um, nothing, no sanctions on him personally. No um, talk about energy, unleashing energy into the market, flooding the market with our own energy, opening up, nothing like that. Yeah, right. Why not? Uh, no, t- right. Keystone Pipeline was no, uh, no help for us. No. no talk about pouring weapons into the Ukraine, which we should have been doing months ago. No, no talk of any of this today. Just we'll get back to you in thirty days. We'll see how this goes. Yeah, stop fracking. No nuclear. Let's just rely heavily on uh, Russian gas and uh, and now well, what is now? Did I understand that we're going to be taking Iranian? I mean, uh, Iraq Iranian oil now. That's in the news. I mean, there's, there's four people on the planet that can tell you the sanctions we're using, what it actually is going to do. I mean, who, nobody knows. I don't know. I have no idea. I didn't have any idea yesterday. I have no idea today. Well, well, he, he talks about certain, these certain things. Well, I mentioned to you last night that, that one of the, the sanctions they were touting doesn't even kick in until sometime next month. Next month. We don't want to put them out. No, of course not. You have Taiwan reporting that they all of a sudden have uh, 
uh, Chinese in their airspace. Now, I heard somebody on somebody say that that's not necessarily something out of the ordinary. It happens all the time, so it may not be associated with them make, thinking about making a move. But don't think that President Xi isn't watching this with licking his chops, because he is. And it may not be today, it may not be tomorrow, it may not be next month, it may not be six months, but if you don't think they're looking at how this goes and thinking about making a move on Taiwan, I mean, come on. Of course they are. They have been. And what you saw from the president today was, in my estimation, weak, at, at best weak. And I think to the, the majority of people I listened to, and it didn't even matter what you were tuning into, all said that this is not up to the task. He's not up to the task, and what we're doing so far is going to have little, if any, to no effect. And to hear the flip-flopping on the meaning of sanctions today is like redefining what fully vaccinated means. But I want to start with a clip from Steve Bannon's show. I don't know if this was the 6 o'clock show or this morning show, but he had on Nigel Farad. I think that was the evening show. And he starts with a clip that I do not remember from 2014 of Nigel Farad, and and I guess at the time he was in a debate or something on the stage here. But I, I just don't, I think this is about as well put this segment, as you can say it, Nigel Farad said it. So here, here's, here's a little bit of that. We've had a message that's been sent out now for 10 years, and this is not just the EU. Indeed, uh, David Cameron, uh, Nick Clegg, and, and I'm afraid Ed Miliband too, have all been saying to the Ukraine, look, why don't you come and join the European Union? While you're at it, why don't you join NATO too? And this is something that has been seen by Putin to be a deeply provocative act. We have given false hope to those Western Ukrainians. And did you see them with their EU flags and their banners? They actually toppled a democratically elected leader. Yes, I know Ukraine's corrupt. I know he wasn't perfect, but they toppled a leader. And I do not want to be part of an emerging expansionist EU foreign policy. I think it'll be a danger to peace. As Mike Tyson, the great uh, heavyweight champ, said, everybody's got a strategy in a boxing match. Everybody's got a strategy until you get punched in the mouth. That's what happened. Putin called the bluff of the feckless leadership of the European Union, the party of Davos, NATO, and, of course, the illegitimate regime of Joe Biden. Nigel Farage, comments, analysis, and commentary. Yes, I mean, look, I, I felt for 30 years, ever since the fall of the Berlin Wall, we played this badly. We have expanded eastwards continually, both the European Union and NATO, without any thought of the consequences. Russia, because of its history, Napoleon, Hitler, these invasions, tens of millions of lives lost. They are genuinely frightened at the prospect of the West moving towards the East, just indeed as now we're terrified of the prospect of them moving westwards. And I think in terms of geopolitics, we've got this wrong. And in some ways, Steve, I called this in 2014. I said, if you poke the Russian bear with a stick, don't be surprised if you get a bad reaction. We've given Vladimir Putin a nationalist cause, one that he can sell Mm -hmm. to the Russians. And by continuing up until last night, our policy that if Ukraine wants to join NATO, and wants to join the European Union, it can. We've actually given him a cause for war, a causus belli. So we've got much wrong. None of that 
when I say this, and I get attacked on Twitter, uh, you know, called a Putin supporter, none of this, in my view, validates any of the behaviour that we've seen today. But it does explain that we, we've broken our promises, Steve. Now, James Baker, US Secretary of State, promised the Russians when the Berlin Wall came down, the Soviet Union broke up, that NATO would not expand one inch to the east. Equally, we promised the Ukrainians, if they got rid of their nuclear weapons, we would, even not as members of NATO, be their guarantee. We've broken so many promises. The globalists have broken so many promises, and their constant ever wishing to expand their empires has not helped. Now, look, where we are now is a pretty serious situation. Here's why. Those two eastern provinces, Luhansk and Donetsk, they are Russian-speaking. If you held a referendum there tomorrow, they would rather be in Russia than they would be in Ukraine. So I get that. However, Western Ukraine is very much more westward in its thinking than Moscow. So this is genuinely now an attack on a free people, and that's to be deplored. The question is, what do we do now? And here's the real problem. NATO's been around since the late 1940s. Article 5 meaning an attack on one is an attack on all. We can see that Putin now is intent on going back to the days of Catherine the Great, the great czarist Russia. And that means there are potentially genuine threats to Estonia, Latvia, Lithuania on the Baltic coast, perhaps even parts of Poland. NATO is nothing without American leadership. Nothing. I'm quite certain if Donald Trump was still president, that by the way, none of this would have happened. So what does America do? And this is difficult because many Americans today will be saying, you know what, the Ukraine, it's so far from home, why should we worry? Other Americans will say, hey guys, World War I, World War II, massive cost to America of sorting out Europe. Why the hell should we even risk this again? But I would say this, unless NATO says we have an absolute red line, that if you in any way move on from this into incursions into Estonia, Latvia, Poland, that we're prepared to fight you in a full-on war if that's what it comes to. Unless that happens, and it can't happen without American leadership, Unless that happens, it isn't just an open door to Vladimir Putin, it's also an open door to communist China. And none of this, Steve, in conclusion, none of this would have happened if it hadn't been for Biden's calamitous unilateral withdrawal from Afghanistan last year without even consulting his allies. So, wow. I, I mean, wow. I mean, that's as well said as I've heard anyone say it. And a lot of the points, much better said than we've talked about, but what we've been talking about for two nights. These people, these isolationists who you keep hearing talk about we shouldn't give a damn about what's going on over there in any way, shape, or form. I just don't get. No one's talking about putting boots on the ground. Nobody. Nobody that I've... I, point to who that is, who you've heard say that. I haven't. I've heard no one talk about sending our young men and women over there. Not for one second has anyone thought, I thought, I, matter of fact, I said I thought that was insanity.
Matter of fact, I think it's been the opposite, too. Didn't Biden say that there will be no, no U.S. troops sent? Yeah, he did today. All I don't right. think that's ever even been a question. <clears throat> but um, it's, it seems like that you get this false choice of people saying, well, we can't, we can't be involved, meaning we can't send people. Well, that, we don't have to send people there to care that we have NATO allies all around the whole area of where this is happening, other than Ukraine, where we don't have, obviously, any treaty with them. But we do with everybody else. And as the point has been brought up by, I think maybe it was Levin or somebody said, what happens if one of these missiles, something goes wrong and it goes to, lands in the wrong place, goes across the border? What if he decides to roll across the border? Then do we care? Where do you care about this if you don't care about it now? Now, maybe these people never thought this was going to come to pass. So that's why they didn't care. But to say that we shouldn't care in any way, shape, or form that this is going on or it's none of our business or we have no one, it's never going to affect us, seems, I mean, that's again, that's why I played that because I thought Nigel said it about as well as you can say it. All right, we'll talk more about that. Lots to do on a Thursday, busy Thursday night. We'll go over the president's questions and answers today from his press conference as well. Exciting. All right, 17 past the hour, live from Studio 6B on a Thursday night. Lots to do. We'll get into, obviously, more into uh, what's going on in Ukraine. We'll get to the president's press conference and questions today about what we're doing or not doing. Victor Davis Hansen has a great piece out today in American Greatness called Putin's Predictabilities. We'll have time. We'll get to that. We'll get to a bunch of other stuff. We'll do some news. We'll do some sports. And speaking of sports, we'll do that first. And here with that is at Slick Rick Sports on Twitter and on Getter. Rick Amorati, what's going on, pal? All right, Big D. Well, I have a couple of stories that are related to what's going on in Ukraine and uh, along with Russia. But before we do that, let's get into our odds makers, Big D. I have two picks tonight, and I'd like to go five on each. Are we up for that? Well, how do we do? Oh, we're back to this. Oh, we're, wow. Wow. Oh, Minnes- yeah. Minnesota came through for you, huh? They did. Actually, they <laughs> lost by one. <laughs> you're they welcome. They lost by one, but I, got, I was getting five. You were plus five, so you got a big win there. And um, the Golden Gophers. Have you, what, have you, um, anything else you want to say or anybody you want to give thanks to about that game last night? <laughs> I want to thank Gio <laughs> for, uh, yeah, Gio suggested that I up the ante and uh-huh. I was lucky. And uh, did well. So thank you, Mr. G. I am Jeez. not a financial advisor. No. Hey, Gio, Gio's other disclaimers, he's only going to give me help when I'm down. Oh. So that's that. Um, so let's go with uh, tonight, Big D, tipping well, off at tomorrow. 9. Tipping off at 9 p.m. Wow. All right. Ohio State University plus six against Illinois. I'm going to take OSU. I'm going rolling with the Buckeyes. That's a 9 p.m. tip, and okay. I'm going to take them. O- Ohio State, as the underdog, has covered eight of the last ten. So oh, I got Ohio State. Very good. All right. And the other pick, let's go to number 12, UCLA, visiting Oregon. And I'm going to take Oregon with the three points. Uh, UCLA is two and five against the spread in the last seven road games. So I got Oregon plus three, and I got OSU plus six. I'm going with the dogs tonight for odds makers. Okay, very All good. Right. Pin that down. All we right. got it. Two games, 500 each. Odds makers for a Thursday mm. night. 
Got it. And uh, I'll just get to one quick story because I took a little time there. Ukrainian Premier League suspended footballers' appeal for help to leave. This is from Zach Wasink of Yard Barker. Russians' invasion of Ukraine that began Wednesday evening Eastern time continues to impact the international sports world ahead of the weekend. As Jack Rosser noted for the evening standard, the Ukrainian Premier League has suspended play after Ukraine declared martial law following the Russian invasion. Ukraine's top flight uh, had been on winter break but was set to restart this week. But those plans, understandably, have been scrapped for the foreseeable future. Per Andrea Garcia of ESPN, a total of 35 Brazilian footballers compete professionally in Ukraine. 13 players from Shakhtar, Dansek, and also Dynamo Kiev uh, striker Vinko, all, along with family members, took refuge in a hotel in Kiev, uh, Ukraine's capital, and shared a video message earlier this morning. Here we are all gathered, Dynamo and Shakhtar players, with our families staying here at the hotel because of the situation. Shakhtar defendant Marion Santos explained in the Instagram video transmitters here we are here asking for your help due to the lack of conditions in the city closed borders closed airspace there's no way we can get out we ask a lot of support from the government of Brazil which can help us so these footballers are not even you know they're playing in the country they're from another country and they're trying to get out of Dodge so we hope that they do we'll have to keep an eye big D on uh, on the status of those footballers because I mean Everybody in Ukraine, no, none of them deserve it. You know, they're all, you know, it's just a terrible attack. But these poor guys, they're just there doing their job. You know, it's like, you know, visiting a country that you have to do work in, but you're from the United States. I mean, that's happened to many people, too. And all of a sudden now, you know, you're captive, which is just a shame. So, we, we, we you know, we feel mm. for them. We really mm. do. Yeah. Uh, some of the pictures, too, that are coming out today. Um using the subway systems as bomb shelters. You're seeing them just absolutely packed in. Uh, it's heartbreaking. Some of the video you're seeing as well. Boy, the first video I saw today was... Um, Same one. I think that's the one I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, that was the first one I saw. I was like, whoa. And then I saw one that was like so discombobulated. It looked like nothing happening in a CNN report. I'm like, wait, what am I looking at? And then I saw a few more later, and it just kept getting uglier and uglier and uglier. And then when you look at the full-on assault from every direction and the, the overhead map of the fly zones. Have you seen that? The, the aerial view of all the planes in, in air on the radar? What, what a, wow, what an assault. Well, and we're going to get more into the president today, but I mean, I just, um, I, I, don't, I don't know. I just, if you're not gravely concerned about what you saw today, I don't, I don't know. And, and I'm talking about what you saw here in the, pre, in the White House. Obviously, we're all concerned about what yeah. we're seeing. You should be as concerned about what you saw here My God. On, ta- on TV as much as you're seeing over there. Could you, I mean, it just reminded me of the Godfather. You ain't a wartime consigliere, Tom. My father had a wartime consigliere. He, you see this guy, and you just got to believe the whole world's like, afflict this little cloud of dust, this nothingness, this feckless human being. It just feels like we all have felt the same way, that he hasn't made a decision, including what kind of oatmeal he's having in the morning. You know, he doesn't make any decisions. So who's running, this? Like, who's running this? It's the globalists. It's the neocons. And who wants war more than anyone? The globalists and the neocons. What do they want? One world government. Why? Because they have one world currency and all the control. This just stinks to high heaven, man. They picked, they kept on sticking the bear. You know, it's just, you know, they just kept on provoking it. I mean, it was coming probably, right? I think it's clear that it was coming. But um, was it coming under Trump? 
No. Is it safe to say Trump is not a globalist? Is it clearer than ever now for anybody who thought maybe he was on the inside? It's so obvious now. As soon as they got him out of the way, the war machine starts going again. Look, step aside, COVID, and welcome in bombs. Yeah. Because we've got to make our money. We're, we're not making as much on the uh, farmer thing. Farmer, take a back seat. It's our turn to earn. It's like a, it's like, it's like different henchmen of the global mob. Yeah. And, and what's crazy is that, you know, he was on President Trump. He was on, uh, you know, a few different places last night talking about it. I didn't see it. And I wish you had the clips. Then I came across this that, that I heard about that uh, there's a reason. There's, there's, there's a couple of good reasons, I guess, why Putin and, and, and even Xi in China kind of stayed in place and didn't really do much. You know, they really didn't uh, flex any muscle is because of some of the things that he did and threatened. I mean, when when he took do you know that uh, uh, we took out about 100 Russian um, uh, contractors, military contractors in Syria? At first, that's what it was being reported. Uh, Later, that number was up to 300. And Putin was stunned at the lopsided loss. Richard Grinnell, I believe, has talked about that. Yeah, but you notice that never got coverage. We know, like I, that. The first time I heard about it was like two days ago. I'm like, what? We did what? Cut eleven G. Let's remember this from 2018. Roll that. Oh. Well, I have to say, I think uh, it's very sad when Germany makes a massive oil and gas deal with Russia where you're supposed to be guarding against Russia, and Germany goes out and pays billions and billions of dollars a year to Russia. So we're protecting Germany, we're protecting France, we're protecting all of these countries. And then numerous of the countries go out and make a pipeline deal with Russia, where they're paying billions of dollars into the coffers of Russia. So we're supposed to protect you against Russia, but they're paying billions of dollars to Russia. And I think that's very inappropriate. And the former chancellor of Germany is the head of the pipeline company that's supplying the gas. Wow. <laughs> uh, ultimately, Germany will have almost 70 percent of their country controlled by Russia with natural gas. So you tell me, is that appropriate? I mean, we've like, been complaining about this from the time I got in. It should have never been allowed to have happened. But Germany is totally controlled by Russia because they were getting from 60 to 70 percent of their energy from Russia and a new pipeline. And you tell me if that's appropriate, because I think it's not. And I think it's a very bad thing for NATO. And I don't think it should have happened. Now, if you look at it, Germany is a captive of Russia because they supply. They got rid of their coal plants. They got rid of their nuclear. They're getting so much of the oil and gas from Russia. I think it's something that NATO has to look at. I think it's very inappropriate. You and I agree that it's inappropriate. Mm. Mm. You wonder why nothing happened for four years. Yeah. You remember that? I, well, I don't have time. We'll talk about it when we get back. Thirty minutes past the hour, live from Studio Six B. Gee, we can do it from the beginning. That's fine. 
Um, so there's an article in the American Thinker before we move on to Biden today, what we were just talking about in the last segment by uh, Jack Hellner. It's no surprise that Putin invaded during Obama and Biden presidencies instead of Trump. And we played that clip just now, and I, I'm reminded of, I was thinking about today, Biden's there sitting, talking about nothing, talking about these sanctions that are going to do nothing. No word about energy, no worry about our own oil, no word about SWIFT, no word about t- taking him on personally, sanctioning him personally, anything personal, no, no nothing. And I'm sitting there thinking, this is just a joke. These guys are laughing. 30 days, we're going to wait and see. Then he says, oh, no one ever thought that these were going to be a deterrent. Meanwhile, we've got clips that we'll play coming up here of them all saying that. So they're flip-flopping on that. They've no, I mean, just one hand doesn't know what the other one's doing. And I got to thinking about the video. Remember the video of Trump when he was over there? I don't know. It was a G7 meeting or something. And the old guy's standing there in the front and, and Trump comes up and just <laughs> slaps him on the shoulder and says, out of the way, pal. I yeah. stand in the front. <laughs> and I was awesome. thinking about that thinking. <laughs> This is the exact opposite, what we're seeing uh, of that. That's what we need right right now. Right now we're seeing like Putin pick up Biden and use him as like a Q-tip. Yeah. Right. We're getting Biden. Uh, oh, Germany doesn't want, oh, you don't want, oh, you don't want Swift. Oh, you, it's going to affect you and it's going to, oh, uh, bah, 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 bah. oh, you don't want this. Oh, oh, Macron doesn't want that. Oh, this guy doesn't want that. Oh, oh okay. Okay. Let's, we'll, we'll sanction them. The, uh, the, the fourth bank he uses so his um, <laughs> trillionaire friends can't buy a new yacht. That'll be good. And then we'll wait 30 days to see if it's working. Like, that's the feeling I got watching it. Well, that's, that's the same tactics they use for the uh, Iran nuclear deal. Oh, you don't like that? Oh, okay, we'll take this out. You, you want us to do that? Oh, okay, we'll do that. You need pallets of cash? So we'll fly it right over. You know, that kind of thing. Meanwhile, you know, when Trump was in office, he told Putin, he said, if you move against Ukraine while I'm president, I will hit Moscow. There you go. If, if somebody's telling you that to your face, um, you, it's going gonna, it's gonna to make you take notice. Right. And let's be honest. I mean, he's not like a big war hawk guy. He's always been an anti-war guy. He talked harsh against you know, the endless wars against terror all through the Middle East. But you knew that he wasn't lying. Right. You hit them. I'm taking it personal. I'm hitting you. And you know he wouldn't back down on his word because his ego would never allow him to back down on his word. (laughs) Exactly. Yep. So Jack Kellner says, Russian President Vladimir Putin remembers how cooperative, and I would use the word appeasement, it really is what we saw, Obama and Biden were during their eight years in office, no matter what he did. In 2009, Obama backed out of a promise to put up missile shields in Poland and the Czech Republic, which certainly appeased Putin. It showed NATO members that the U.S. could not be trusted to keep its word. In March 2012, Obama whispered to the Russian president at the time that he would be more flexible to cave to their wishes after the election. We all remember that. He just needed to lie to the American people for eight more months. That's when he was talking to uh, Dmitry Medvedev and said, I'll have more flexibility to deal with contentious issues like missile defense after the U.S presidential election on september 11th 2012 putin saw that hillary and obama cared more about their political power than americans under attack in foreign uh, country in benghazi libya instead of lifting a finger to help they concocted a lie about a youtube video putin had to be pleased to be dealing with people without a conscience and knowing that so few in the american media cared 
Before the election in 2012, Obama laughed at Romney when he said Russia was a dangerous adversary. Most of the media and the other Democrats cheered at Obama's brilliance. Putin was probably cheering that so many powerful Americans were that naive. In 2013, Russia took over North American uranium resources, and all they had to do was give massive kickbacks to the Clintons. Putin and other dictators have to be pleased that the Bidens, Clintons, and others are so willing to line their pockets with kickbacks from foreign countries. But of course, it certainly leaves them vulnerable to blackmail. Obama drew a red line, stating that if Syria's Assad ever used chemical weapons on his people, he'd be in big trouble. Well, he used them. And Obama essentially moved the red line and engaged Russia to monitor Assad, <laughs> the, the Russians' buddy. This is as brilliant as having a fox guard a hen house. The Obama administration signed on to the worthless Paris Climate Agreement, which leaves Russia and OPEC more powerful to control oil prices and essentially does nothing about the climate. It destroys the U.S. economy by decimating our fossil fuel industry. As Russia invaded Ukraine in 2014, Obama refused to give them weapons, which certainly had to please Putin as well. It had to be pleasing to Vladimir Putin that the Obama-Biden administration was so willing to lie to build up Iran with hundreds of billions as they pledged death to America. The more money Iran had, the more it could spend in Russia, one of its biggest trading partners. Putin watched as corrupt Obama administration paid over a billion dollars in bribes to tyrants, let drug-running terrorists off the hook to appease the Iranian tyrants? How brutal and dishonest does a politician have to be not to care about how many people die from terrorism and drugs because he's more interested in his legacy? Putin studied, as Hillary, the DNC, and the corrupt Justice Department, Obama, Biden, intelligence officials, and all the media all colluded to destroy Trump with false information and illegal spying. He's probably very supportive of a media establishment that willingly spreads propaganda to push an agenda. A lot of journalists in America still act as if the most corrupt administration in history was scandal-free. That would be the Obama administration. Contrast the actions of Obama and Biden with Russia to how Trump handled them. Well, unlike Obama, President Trump gave Poland and Ukraine weapons, which would have ticked off Putin. Trump sanctioned Russia, even when the Russians weren't invading. Trump lectured the Germans to the effect that they should stop relying on Russia for energy. Trump pushed NATO allies to pay more for the defense, which had to displease Putin. Trump pulled out of the worthless uh, Paris Climate Accord and started producing more American oil, which reduced the pricing power of Russia and OPEC and helped Americans with lower prices, especially the poor and middle class. Trump pulled out of the Iran deal. Trump punished Iran with many sanctions and then harmed Russia. When Trump blew out the terrorist general from Iran, Biden and others said how dangerous that was. It wasn't dangerous. It saved lives. Why would we ever trust someone with such bad judgment to be our president? As Trump was much tougher on Russia for four years than Obama and Biden ever were, the media and other Democrats continually lied to the public that he was a Russian puppet to mislead. They also called him an illegitimate president. Putin and other dictators had to be pleased that while Trump was in office, the media and other Democrats trashed our country as an unfair, systemically racist country that cares only for the rich. They love propaganda that they can feed to their people to say how much better they are than us. As the media campaigned for Biden, they buried the truth about the corruption of the Biden in the entire Obama presidency. 
Putin and other dictators love state-controlled media. When Biden was installed as president, Putin probably felt he had won the lottery with such a weak American CEO. Of course, what did Biden do? One of the first things, blocked the Keystone XL pipeline. <laughs> he sent a message that he would destroy the American fossil fuel industry. Prices started going up. We rejoined the Paris Climate Accord, which further weakens America, further raises prices. Anyone who thinks Russia, China, Iran, Saudi Arabia, and other oil-producing countries care about their carbon footprint needs to have their head examined at this point. The mental midgets in the Biden administration are anxiously trying to strengthen the Iran regime that still pledges death to America. Putin will love it if Iran gets more money. Biden gave Putin a gift with the lifting of the sanctions of his lifeblood. Biden and his minions have been warning Putin for months about harsh sanctions if he invaded Ukraine, so he clearly prepared. Nord Stream 2 has been canceled by Germany for now. Then when he invaded, they issued soft sanctions on two banks and some people and warned Putin, you better not go over that next red line or we'll get really tough. Well, my guess is Putin has worked out a deal with China already to go around the sanctions. China doesn't care about the American sanctions on Iran or anyone else. The Chinese know how the politicians and bureaucrats can cave. Putin appears to be playing chess while Blinkton, Sullivan, Biden, and the generals are playing tic-tac-toe. While Putin, Iran, and China prepare for war, the American military is focused like laser on wokeness, computer-generated climate models, and kicking healthy people out of the military for refusing a vaccine that doesn't protect against a virus. Will the media ever wonder why a politician's wife in Moscow gave Hunter Biden over $3 million to do research on all other kickbacks? I've seen many journalists say Putin appears to have changed and looks unstable. Well, what about Biden? And I think that's pretty right on the money. So let's hear a little bit from the president today. First question out of the box after his weak statement on sanctions that no one can even explain to me what they mean, what they're going to do. Here's the first question he got. Roll it, G. Associated Press, Zeke. With President Putin at this point, and what interactions have you had with the Russian government? I heard the first part. Do I have any plans to speak with Putin at this point, and what? What communications have you had with the Kremlin as far as uh, military operations in Ukraine and making sure this does not spiral into a larger conflict? Well, it's a large conflict already. The way we're going to ensure it's not going to aspire to a larger conflict is by providing all the forces needed in the Eastern European nations that are members of NATO. NATO is more united than it's ever been. And I have no plans to talk with Putin. Now, again, I know he wasn't asked this, but there's a perfect opportunity to say the way we make sure it doesn't spiral is we're going to start dropping weaponry, offensive and defensive weaponry, into Ukraine which we should have done months ago. He spent the first part of his speech telling us how, uh, you know, like he was Nostradamus, telling us how we knew this was going to happen. It laid out perfectly. We told you, here it is, ba-ba-pi, ba-ba-ba. Well, if you knew it was, why didn't you do anything? You know, again, this is, this is these, these are Ukrainian people and the Ukrainian government who elected this president to do exactly this, stand up to Putin. And, you know, we asked him in 1994 in the Clinton administration to give up their nukes in the, in, with the promise that we would be there to protect them. 
if they hadn't done that, this situation probably would be not happening. And um, again, just nothing from this guy at all today about what we should have been doing. And even if they didn't do it, at least he could have said today, well, we're going to start dropping, we're going to start shifting major artillery into there so they can defend themselves. Not a word about it. Not a single word. All right, G, go ahead. A little more. Uh, Wall Street Journal. Tarina. Mr. President, you didn't mention SWIFT in your sanctions that you announced. Is there a reason why the U.S. Uh, isn't doing that? Is there a disagreement among allies um, regarding SWIFT and whether uh, Russia should be allowed to be a part of it? The sanctions that we've proposed on all their banks have of equal consequence, maybe more consequence than SWIFT, number one. Number two, uh, it is always an option, but right now that's not the position that the rest of uh, Europe wishes to take. Okay, so, um, oh, so okay. there you go. Oh, oh okay, what well, my boss has told me to do. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So what that's a, not the position of, you know, uh, that, so that's, that's it. What a dish Now, the first yeah, part. Swift. We'll talk about the first part of that answer, um, that somehow he's saying what we're doing is, is better than that. That is one of the more absurd things I've ever heard. All right, live from Studio 6B on a Thursday. More from the question and answers. We'll work our way through it. Lots to do. to the hour live from studio 6b on a thursday we'll get back to the presser some of the questions and we'll get to um andy mccarthy today i think he does a pretty good job of recapping the disconnect from reality that uh we saw today uh but right now it's time to do some sports and here with that is slick rick rick emirati what's going on pal all right big d well men's pga we got the honda classic round one from palm beach gardens beautiful florida pga national resort and spa and uh kurt Kitayama shot a six under. You may not have heard of him, but he's ranked number 289 in the world. Had a great day. That's why and, we've never heard of him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but he shot a 64. He leads. And uh, he tied for second three-way tie between Rory Sabatini, Daniel Berger, and Chris Kirk. All shot uh, a five under. So uh, we'll keep an eye on that. But round one in the books. And uh, speaking of number one. And of course, so under your theory, he will not win the tournament. <laughs> it's very hard for a guy to go, you know, the the full uh, the full weekend to do do it all, big D. I yeah. rarely do you see it. I don't even, I got I got to look into what the percentages are. I bet you it's less than ten percent. Um, and uh, Novak Djokovic to be replaced as number one after Dubai Championships loss. This is from Victor Barbosa of Yard Barker earlier today. Uh, the Serbian was upset by Czech qualifier Jerry Vesely. Never heard of him. Six four seven six, and as a result, will lose his spot atop the ATP rankings. Um, and and this uh, coming after he's been on top since February 3rd of 2020, so a little over two years. And it's the longest stretch as a number one ranked tennis player uh, for men since it, the rankings began in 1973. So that's quite a feat there for wow. Novak. Um, and the new top ranked men's single player will be 
Russian Daniil Medvedev, how ironic, uh, who will move from the second spot on Monday and become the 27th man to reach number one. Medvedev won the U.S. Open last September and was the Australian Open runner-up uh, the past two years. Medvedev, Medvedev will become the first man other than Djokovic, Roger Federer, Rafael Nadal, or Andy Murray to be number one since February 1st, 2004. Wow, that's quite a stretch and quite a run. Um, so the Klitschko brothers, Big D, uh, they're uh, Ukrainian former world champions Vladimir Klitschko and Vitaly Klitschko take up arms uh, for the Russian invasion. And this is from Y. Alberti of CBS Sports. Former boxing champions Vladimir Klitschko and Vitaly Klitschko, you guys remember those big heavyweights, rose to stardom through fighting. Now the brothers will fight for their country. Vladimir enlisted in the Ukrainian Reserve Army three weeks before Russia's inv- invasion and Vitaly, the mayor of Kiev, Ukraine, said this week he'd also take up arms. In video posted on Twitter earlier today, Vladimir Klitschko appealed for help in what he thinks will be a senseless war with no winners or losers. I'm calling to all international partners to observe this tragedy that is happening nowadays in Ukraine, Vladimir said. I just want to tell you we must stay united against this aggression, against Russian aggression. Don't let it continue happening in Ukraine. Don't let it happen in Europe and eventually the world. United, we are strong. Support uh, Ukraine. So the two brothers, the great Klitschko brothers, incredible heavyweights back in the day. Remember watching them all the time. Um, well, they're in the thick of things and they're ready to take up arms. So they're using, I guess, their celebrity and leverage as big Ukraine celebrities to say something. So they always refer to them as the Russian heavyweights, but uh, well, they're in Ukraine, big D. Okay. That's a wrap in sports. Okay, very good, Rick. Thanks. We'll do some more sports. Sports, is, of course, is sponsored by our friends at MyPillow, mypillow.com slash LFS6B for all the best deals. For the LFS6B audience, use our code at checkout for, uh, I mean, some things are up to 60% off. Giza sheets, I think, are 39 bucks now. Pillows, towels, shoes, sandals, slippers, they've got it all. Great stuff. MyPillow.com, of course, it supports Mike Lindell, who's a patriot. Um, MyPillow.com slash LFS6B and you can use our code LFS6B at checkout. Uh, let's do some news. News is brought to you by our friends at 7cells.com. You can also use our code there, LFS6B, for 10% off if you need to get your ivermectin uh, or whatever you need. they got a whole bunch of good healthy stuff there for your health uh, to prepare yourself to deal with whatever comes your way. Uh, LFS6B for 10% off there. What's going on, Paul? Well, uh, Obama has uh, chimed in here. You know, as if he's not, you know, in the basement running the show, like he said. Uh, Obama warns of economic consequence to Americans from Biden sanctions on Russia. Well, thanks, Sherlock. Uh, In a rare interjection, the successor, um, former President Barack Obama, warned Thursday that Biden administration's economic sanctions on Russia may boomerang and create high energy prices back home. I mean, is anybody shocked by this? I mean, we stopped fracking. We stopped. You know, the, the, the Keystone Pipeline, where we stopped all alternative forms of energy. There's no shell. Okay, great. Thanks. Thanks, buddy. I mean, I know these former presidents don't get back to driving too much. Maybe he's still not back to driving. I don't know if he's been to a gas pump lately. But it, it's not like it's been great even before this. Right. No nuclear energy. We can't have any any clean energy anywhere. But I, I get it. But we have these big, giant wind turbines that, that are killing the, the wildlife across, you know, the mountainous regions of, of North America, you know, of, of northern New York. It's just crazy. So he said um, there may be some economic consequences to such shank- sanctions, given Russia's significant role in the world energy markets. And uh, he went on to say, but that's a price we should be willing to pay to take a stand on the side of freedom, 
the tyrant said. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Over the long term, we all face a choice between a world in which might makes right and autocrats are free to impose their will through force. Trudeau is listening. <laughs> Or a world in which free people everywhere have the power to determine their own future. Does he not see the irony in his absolutely mind-boggling, disconnected, authoritarian lunacy? Can you believe this statement? This is the ultimate authoritarian talking about authoritarians and people being free to choose. This makes me want to take my tablet and gun it across the room. (laughs) Crazy. It's yeah. just crazy. I love the fact that patriotism is now wrapped up in high gas prices. <laughs> yeah, that yeah. proves By that the... proves you're 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 standing with the president, man. We talked about this yesterday. Ugh. Saki in the press briefing room. All of a sudden, it's shared values. Well, our, we have to defend our shared values. But before this, they had no. There was no shared values. You were either vaccinated and triple boost, or you were a white supremacist, uh, uh, racist. Uh, trying to kill people. There was no shared values. Did you guys see some of the loonies from the left, the talking heads from the left, making this a thing about the the right-wing authoritarian extremists are rooting for Russia because they're all white? There's like like Sink Uger, that like big... Chink, yeah, from the... the um, yeah, that blowhard from, uh, from uh, the, Young the Jerks. Young, young Turks, yeah. Yeah, what a clown he is. And... Then, then there was uh, a handful of other same things along the lines of that, uh, you know, it's it's white supremacy in, in one nation's form. Like, are you kidding me? What's, these people are psychotic yeah. and unhinged. Speaking of psychotic, let's get to the WTF video of the day because everybody's got their concerns about what's going on. And then there's Joy Behar concerns. Roll it, G. I'm crazy. Well, I'm scared of what's going to happen in in Western Europe, too. Yeah. You know, you just, you plan a trip. You want to go there. I want to go to Italy for four years. I haven't been able to make it because of of, uh, the pandemic. And now this, you know, it's it's like, who's going to, what's going to happen there? Yeah. Yeah. Too. Oh, everybody's got their worries, but Joy's worried about her vacay. <laughs> What's she going to do? I need a Prada bag <laughs> at cost. Do you believe this guy's? <laughs> do you believe this guy's lobbing missiles across? What am I, I, what am I supposed to do to on my see week off? The seven wonders of the world, because I deserve it. And now I can't because of Putin. I can't take an audience with the Pope because of Putin. How <laughs> disconnected gonna... can you those be? Are, those are what you call elite first world I problems. tower yeah. goofballs. Oh, my Lord. I'm just worried about what's going to happen in Europe. I yeah, mean, me- meanwhile, trying to go on a trip. Uh, <laughs> right, meanwhile, I gotta get every mom and pop done. shop out in America who's been shut down by COVID is worried about how they're going to feed their kids you know, by Friday, they have enough food for like Monday, Tuesday, and then a half a bologna sandwich for Wednesday, and they're hungry till next Monday again. Are you kidding me with this wacko? And she's worried about her Four Seasons reservation in <laughs> Venice. <laughs> Jeez, wacko.
All right, hour two, live from Studio 6B on a Thursday night. Glad you're in. Real America's Voice, Dish Network Channel 219, Pluto TV Channel 240, Samsung TV Plus Channel 1029. I watched a lot of America's Voice today, coverage from CPAC. And it was good. I saw some saw some uh, good stuff down there. David Oliver sitting in for Steve Gruber. watched a little bit of him and Karen Turk talk to each other. I saw Amanda uh, and John Solomon. John, I don't think is there yet. Amanda was there. They had Charlie Kirk on. I saw that. I watched... Um, saw David Zier. Oh. On with Miranda Khan at noon. He was great. So And, I, and then I watched some coverage of um, some of the panels. I told you, the panels at CPAC are really cool because you get, you get nice... Sometimes you get a nice mix of um, people that you don't expect to see or you don't hear, and you get to see them together, and, and is it, they're, they're, they're good. DeSantis was today, and from what I can tell, he tore the house down. Not necessarily because he was fiery, but because he really laid out the case for liberty moving forward in this country and how we take it back. We have it. It's about 20 minutes, though. It's a pretty long speech. God, I would love to see some of that. Well, we have, well we have, let's play a little of it, G. Play a little. We have a little, we have a little bit of the governor here. Let's hear what he had to say. Let me welcome you to the freest state in these United States. Yeah. We were lucky to have CPAC in 2021, and I'm happy to inform you, 2021, Florida set an all-time record for domestic tourism coming into our state. And those record numbers include a number of lockdown politicians who <laughs> lock down their own people, yeah. restrict their own people, mandate governors, mayors, big TV hosts. They criticize Florida, and the first chance they get, what do they do? They escape to freedom in the state of Florida. Yeah, yep. so true. And why do even these biggest critics and lockdowners come to Florida? Well, I think it's simple. From the very beginning, we refused to let this state descend into some type of Faucian dystopia where people's freedoms are curtailed and their livelihoods are destroyed. We protected people's rights. We protected people's jobs. We protected small businesses. And we made sure that every kid in the state of Florida had an opportunity to go to school in person five days a week. In Florida, we reject the biomedical security state, which erodes liberty, harms livelihoods, and divides our society. And we not only reject it if it's government, we have done things like ban vaccine passports and mandates. Because it's unacceptable to simply subcontract out Fauciism to big companies. So we've stood for freedom across the board, and the result has been Florida has defeated Fauciism. Freedom <laughs> has prevailed in the Sunshine State. Notice he's gone missing, by the way. Now and Florida led when it counted. 
We led early on when the weight of the world was coming, bearing down on our shoulders. Everything we did, we were taking incoming. I remember the summer of 2020, we had the kids saying, you gotta go have the kids in school. The teachers unions, they would put coffins outside the Department of Education building in Tallahassee. They sued me uh, to close the school, but we stood strong. And part of the reason we stood strong because we understand uh, what it means to be a leader not just be a politician that twists in the wind, but be willing to make the tough decisions. I look back at President Eisenhower's farewell address. Many of you remember it because he warned about the military industrial complex. That was wow. uh, smart, he was right. But if you read that speech, he also warned about the dangers of a rising scientific and technological elite. Government was funding more scientific research and he said when that happens, there's a danger that public policy can be held captive by this scientific elite. And he said, the job of the statesman is not to subcontract out your policy to health bureaucrats or other type of bureaucrats. The job of the statesman is to lead, to take all the interests in society and make sure you're doing what's in the public good. So, so many governors over the last two years would simply defer to health bureaucrats because it was a safe thing to do politically. If things went bad, they can say, hey, the bureaucrats told me I had to do this. Yeah, you lost your job, sorry, your business is done, the kids are locked out of school, but they're telling me I have to do this. That is not what we did in Florida. And we did it when it wasn't popular, we did it when we were taking fire. And we did it because my duty is to stand up and protect the freedoms and the jobs of the people I represent. And if that puts me in political jeopardy, then so be it. I will stand with them. I'm not gonna try to protect my own hide. Pretty good. Yeah. And I really believe, had Florida <laughs> not led the way, this country could look like Canada or Australia. We sometimes take freedom for granted. You should not do that after the last two years. It is contested. The left does not want to honor our freedoms, and we have, an op we have a responsibility to fight back on all fronts. People are coming to Florida because they want freedom. Even our critics are doing it, but I can tell you there's one fella that just hates Florida, and his name is Joe Biden. He's always criticizing us. Always trying to take pot shots at Florida. He does things like take our medication. He stiffs storm victims of, of relief just because he doesn't like the governor. He doesn't like Florida and he doesn't like me because we stand up to him. That's why he doesn't like us. God bless federalism. Last year, we called a special session to protect every Florida job from Biden's vax mandates, and we succeeded. We've sent people to the Texas border and are suing Biden over his catch and release policy because he is not following the Constitution by letting our borders be overrun. We stand up against the, the weak on crime policies that is ravaging cities all across the country and what he supports. and. We are standing against his reckless fiscal policies where they've printed trillions of dollars and now we have rampant Bidenflation. The inflation is because of his policies and we're not gonna let anyone forget that. So all told, 
He's had the worst first year of any president since the 1800s. Wow. And as Biden flounders, Florida is leading on issue after issue. We have the largest budget surplus and the lowest per capita tax burden in the entire United States and no income tax, and we won't have that as long as I'm governor. When I became governor, Florida had the most liberal state Supreme Court in the country. I've replaced three liberal justices with conservative justice. We now have the most conservative Supreme Court in the country. Since I became governor, we've banned sanctuary cities in the state of Florida. And we are in the process of getting money from the legislature so that if Biden is dumping illegal aliens into Florida from the southern border, I'm rerouting them to Delaware. <laughs> yeah. We'll do some in D.C. and Hollywood as well. <laughs> All right, gee, that's good. We'll get to, we'll get back to a little more of DeSantis, but wow, yeah, it's the first time seeing it. But I did hear um, that it was good. That it was, uh, you know, he really makes the case, makes the case for, um, you know, this country, our founding, our our ideals, our founding documents. Well, he's a great executive. Obviously, he, he's really, you know, kind of hitting his stride. You know, not only not only being a positive leader. You know, but also showing results. Ooh, what a, what a surprise! Yeah, I mean, I mean, this is the type of person you want to see leading pretty much every state. Imagine if every state had a Ron DeSantis who really gave a crap, or at least half of them. Right. If and, half of them had the exact same like approach and policy, mm -hmm. there's no way Biden would get away with what he does, or what the neocons, or what the globalists, or what the you know uniparty gets away with. And think about how how limited the federal government would be at that point because they'd have all these strong governors leading the way. Uh, it, yeah. it would cut down on all this this overreach that we get from the federal government. And you know what's stunning to me is how few people really understand what a masterpiece the Bill of Rights is. You know, the Bill of Rights is almost perfect, with the exception of the omission of, you know, banking laws and and the, you know. The stopping of centralized banking power, that's the only thing it omitted. And uh, for the most part, you see the way Canada had to crumble under these executive orders and these mandates. You saw the way Australia had to. Because they don't have a constitution written as well. And the historic view of our constitution is really phenomenal when you look at what the founding fathers did and how far back they looked into history to right. look at all governments and they studied and worked their tails off and when i hear that they were racist and evil and rich guys just coming over here to be richer they gave up everything and risked it all they risked it all over where you know where they in their very wealthy lives coming here so to me the the, the notion that history has been rewritten in such a really humorous way yeah you want to make the argument all right i'll listen to what you have to say here and there okay but uh, at the end of the day the constitution was written against this moment what we're seeing the last 20 years or so and what's really amazing is uh you know justin trudeau did you did you see what he had to say about uh 
about Putin and, and what's going on over in the Ukraine, that he that, you know, they're going to stand up and fight tyranny. This is from Justin Trudeau. Yeah, we just heard Obama say the same thing. <laughs> Who was just harder on the tr- – I, I think yeah. I tweeted after Biden was done today, is there some kind of an emergencies act that we can we can invoke to get tough in this country on Putin? Because Trudeau was tougher on the truckers than Biden's being on the, on the Russian president. I mean, he had jackboot thugs clubbing, clubbing innocent people. They had guys busting into coffee shops, acting as if they were going to have some kind of inspection. I mean, what we saw there was full-blown totalitarianism. It was yeah. Nazism. But meanwhile, these liberals are so psychotic. They throw the term fascist out. They throw Nazi out. And they have no idea the true context and historical value. And it's sickening. It's sickening. They diminish the value of such hateful, horrifying words. And he, action. He revoked, though, the Emergencies Act, right? Yeah, he, he revoked it because, okay. uh, from what I hear, the banks got on the horn to him and said, look, we're having a problem here. People are closing up their, their accounts. They're taking money out. That's it. Run on the banks, yeah. baby. Everyone get your Financial money out of pressure. the institutional banks. Get your money out. Get them in credit unions. Financial pressure. Yeah, I was joking because we remember we talked about it yesterday that we saw people running around going, oh, he revoked it. It's a great news. <laughs> after, he's, after he's bludgeoned people... And yeah. they'll ruin their lives. Stole their trucks. All right, we'll get back to uh, the uh, anti-opposite of the Florida governor. That'd be the president when we get back. All right, 17 past the hour, live from Studio 6B. It's time to do some sports. Sports is brought to you by our friends at MyPillow, mypillow.com slash LFS6B. Got to get those sheets, pillows, or whatever. It's just great stuff, all made in America. Mike Lindell, of course. I think he's given out his book, which I have here somewhere, uh, for free with any order of the Giza Dream Sheets, I believe, this week. So take a look for that as well. Here with sports is Rick Amirati. What's going on, pal? Hey, Big D. What's on breaking news? Uh, Kenny Burrow, the Houston Oilers, double zero he wore back in the day, passed away earlier this evening. So uh, just wanted to mention that. Houston Oilers are now known as the Tennessee Titans as they relocated a number of years ago. But Kenny Burrow was, Burrow was a great wide receiver, and he was 73 years young. Uh, listen to this Too one. young. Big parlay, guys. Better turns a dollar ten bet into five hundred and thirty-two thousand dollars with an insane twenty-three leg college basketball parlay. This is from Chris Bengal of CBS Sports. Sports betting certainly isn't an exact science, don't I know it? Sometimes it's just about <laughs> luck. One better had some insane luck on Wednesday when they hit on a twenty-three leg parlay to win a whopping five hundred and thirty-two grand. The best part of it, the better only placed a dollar ten on the lucky wager which carried a $90,869,356 odds. Uh, let's be real. You can't purchase much for a dollar ten these days. The days are gone in which you can get a gallon of gas or a cheeseburger at McDonald's for a buck. However, this better found a way to turn a small sum into a life-changing amount of money. The, this particular better's parlay featured a mixture of spread and money line bets across the 23 legs. Interestingly enough, not every leg ended up being a winner. St. Louis was an 11-point favorite against 
St. Joseph's and won the game 72-61, so that leg ended up being a push. If St. Louis would have covered the spread, the bet is payment would have even been larger. Some people just have tremendous luck when it comes to sports betting, but this one luck, this one definitely takes the cake. Winning five to ten legs off a small wager is one thing, but 23 legs is beyond crazy. A buck ten, five thirty-two. You talk about life-changing money, Big D. But that is it, insane. In a follow-up story, he bet it all on the Knicks the next night and lost it. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't doubt it. I wouldn't doubt it. Well, here's something Big D's going to be excited about. New York City Marathon returns to 50,000 <laughs> runners strong this November. This is from Bernadette Hogan of the New York Post. The New York City Marathon will return to its pre-pandemic competition capacity of 50,000 no. runners this November, Race organizers announced earlier today, celebrating its 51st anniversary on Sunday, November 6th, the world's biggest marathon. Full force comeback follows last year's reduction to 25,000 finishes thanks to COVID-19 limitations. The iconic 26.2-mile event uh, was completely canceled for in-person runners in 2020 due to the pandemic. The only other time it was canceled was due to the after effects of uh, Hurricane Sandy back in 2012, which I can't believe that's going to be 10 years ago. Hurricane Sandy, that, that really did a job on the New Jersey and Long Island shorelines. So, Big D, you're going to start training for the New York City Marathon. Get ready. <laughs> get ready okay. for what? That's, about a, that's the usual uh, back-and-forth camaraderie I get on most of my stories. So, that's it. Sports, back to you, brother. <laughs> oh, you, I don't, was that a question you were asking me? <laughs> yeah, I was asking if you are getting ready, if you're training. <laughs> for the, well, for, well, hold on. I can feel I like he's taking another here? shot again. No, I just no. wanted to, can I speak for my boy, Big D, here? Yes. <laughs> He is such a stallion. He doesn't even have to train for the marathon, and now he's going to enter it, and he's going to run it to prove you wrong. Is that not right? Yeah. Uh, my yeah. over-under time is about 21 hours. <laughs> and that's even in a cab. Yeah, no, in, oh. a cab, in a cab, I can make it in about 20 minutes. I ran a 26-mile. I, I did one when I was 18. I, I ran a 26-mile marathon, Long Island Marathon. And I tell you, never again. <laughs> I, I made it. It took me about four, a little over four hours. I didn't really train at all for it. And, man, that was some run. So hats off to those guys. Those guys that do it in about an Two hours and twenty and eighteen minutes, whatever it is. The, the, the yeah, world like, record's closer to two hours now. Yeah, yeah dude. Like from, every dude really from Kenyan and a bunch of chubby guys following a drink on the weekends. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right, that's a wrap in sports. All right, thanks, Rick. Uh, let's do some news. News is brought to you by our friends at 7cells.com. Use our code LFS6B for 10% off. What's going on, Paul? Well, I am. I want to thank everyone. I'm creeping up on 4,000 on Getter. It's the only social media I'm using, and I am going to start using Gab. Uh, do you guys also use Gab yet? No. I'm still on Gab. And Rumble. Yep. And I'm kind of I'm phasing out of all the other ones. I got suspended from Facebook again. Did I'm you? on day 28 of my latest incarceration. I'll keep Facebook open for the memory so I can, because it's it's fading. Um, but uh, I'm, I'm really enjoying Getters. A lot of nice people. And I'm enjoying the echo chamber, by the way. I'm I'm, en- I'm enjoying like just good news and hey, uh, hostile, caustic people. This, Paul's given us a good lead in G to check in with. Um, Paul hasn't really been here for our truth social problems that we're having. <laughs> Have you so, seen the beat? Okay, please tell me. So Trump's new truth social. Yeah, I, I'm waiting. Oh, are you are you signed up? Yeah, I'm waiting. Oh, you didn't get your email yet. Did you get your number yet? Yeah, I'm like thirty nine. Well, you didn't do it. You didn't get anything. So here's our original number when we signed up. 404,304 is our number. 
And then yesterday, Gio says we got um, we got an update. It went to three oh three. So now, G, did we get an update today? <laughs> Such movement. Now we're three oh five. Hey, you're that's right worse time. than we were the first day. That's because somebody let somebody cut. Have you guys seen the one with the clip from Beetlejuice? Have you seen the clip with Beetlejuice is waiting in line for the doctor and it's all oh, right. That's when they <laughs> the thing you know, he's holding the clip. He's like nine million nine hundred thousand three hundred eighty seven and and he's and now serving three. He's like, Oh god, wait. Yeah, that's how I feel about getting onto truth social. Although there's a lot of people obviously on because they send me um, notifications. I get notifications. Somebody just followed you. Someone just mentioned you. Someone just this. Someone just that. Well, I'm only a quick 404,305 away from joining you. Yeah, tell them I said hi. <laughs> so, well, 305 is not good. The first day we were 304. Then we were 303. Now we're 305. We're going in the wrong direction. Maybe they heard you complaining about it. <laughs> That's a good point. That's what I said. You're messing us up now. They're putting the kibosh on us. Well, what's your number done? It hasn't moved. I can't get this thing to refresh. Okay. So you're still doing better than Damon. No, I'm still at 505,168. But, I mean, your your number didn't, you didn't no. go up. didn't right. move, but at least it didn't go up. I got go closer up. to Damon. So you're That's not as it. much of a loser as I clearly am. Obviously, I'm taking the cake here. I'm going the wrong direction. Well, we'll just keep tracking it every day, and we'll see. So, um, all right. Anything else in the news, Paul, you want to do? Well, just the news quick. Uh, Putin launches the special military operation inside Ukraine. This is according to our friend John Solomon. Uh, he said uh, Ukraine's um, health minister, Vitko Lyashko, uh, on Thursday evening confirmed that 57 Ukrainians have died due to the Russian incursion, uh, while 169 more were wounded. Uh, Lyashko uh, also said Ukrainian officials are repurposing health care facilities to have space for people in need of medical treatment due to the attack. Ukraine government said uh, Russian tanks and troops rolled across the border in a full-scale war that appeared largely led by air attacks. Um, the Russian military claimed to have wiped out Ukraine's entire air defenses in a matter of hours. This is just simply crazy. In Odessa, located in the southern Ukraine near the border of Moldova, uh, officials announced that 18 people were killed by an, an attack in Russia, by Russian forces. Of, uh, this is all by, reported by Radio Liberty. And over 40 Ukraine soldiers have died so far. Um, boy... The whole thing is just so disconcerting. It's so frustrating. We saw Trump and how he stood up to this. And, you know, it's just frustrating to me. All the everything that the mainstream media says, the polar opposite of what's happening. And, you know, you know, Trump will be a totalitarian dictator. And here we have the it's just it's very frustrating. The saddest part of it all is we have no media here in the states we could truly trust. And. How are we going to trust the media we see from abroad? It's just so hard to get the truth. So, you know, everybody on Getter, if you could follow me at P-O-P-P-A-N-O-L-A-N, please share any stories you have that look credible. All right, more to do on a Thursday night live from Studio 6B. We're back right after this.
like the blues. All right, let me talk to you about our friends at Birch Gold Group. Friends got the blues. Inflation continues to rise. The value of the dollar, well, it'll be interesting to see, by the way, if this whole Ukraine thing changes what the Fed's thinking about. And if we're going to get more quantitative easing now because of this, if they back off of their thoughts of raising interest rates into a uh, possible wartime footing here that we don't know how long this is going to last, how it's going to affect us, what it's what, what, what we're doing. So that'll be interesting, actually, to see. And, and echoes for the European Central Bank as well. Um, but you're probably considering your financial alternatives right about now either way because inflation is out of control. Paper money becomes more worthless. How do you protect your hard-earned savings? Well, the folks to talk to about that is Birch Gold, especially if you're going to consider physical gold and silver. Birch Gold are experts in precious metals. They have an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, thousands of satisfied customers. Most importantly, they'll give you options. You can buy gold coins. You can convert an existing IRA into a gold IRA. You can even convert an eligible 401k account to a gold IRA. Here's how you get started. Text AMERICA to 989898. Birch Gold will send you a free information kit with absolutely no obligation whatsoever. They'll show you how to protect your gold and silver investments in a tax-sheltered account. So get the facts. Get started today. You have nothing to lose. Text AMERICA to 989898 and get your free information kit from Birch Gold. They've made it super easy. Just text the word America to 989898 and find out how owning gold and silver could help protect your savings. All right, 31 past the hour. Before we get back to the president, Andy McCarthy today, I'll just give you a little bit of this so you can throw it up on the screen, G, because he says much of what President Biden said in this afternoon's press conference on sanctions against Russia was cheerleading, disconnected from reality. He complained, for example, that Russia attacked Ukraine just as the UN Security Council was meeting to stave off Russia's invasion. He left out the inconvenient detail that the vaunted Security Council was being chaired by, well, yes, Russia. The assembled powers, moreover, had no intention of staving off anything in Ukraine. Indeed, in today's remarks, Biden stressed this week's mantra that he intends to defend every inch of NATO, implicitly underscoring the fact that he will not defend any inch of Ukraine. And no, I'm not saying he should do so, at least not with American combat forces. We should be giving the Ukrainians the weapons and the logistical assistance they need to mount a long-term insurgency that will cost Russia dearly, as the CIA did in Afghanistan during the 1980s, and as was done to us by Iran and other sponsors of the insurgency into Iraq. My narrow point here, though, is that the Biden administration's modest hope all along has been to punish Russia for an attack that Biden not only predicted, but inadvertently encouraged with his minor incursion gaffe, there was no thought of staving off the attack before it occurred. That said, the sanctions that Biden announced were not nothing. They'll make life difficult for Russia's government and military, as well as its state-dominated financial, energy, and tech sectors. At least some Putin cronies will also start feeling the pinch. There's a problem, though, one that Biden seemed to concede in repeatedly stressing the 
long-term impact of the sanctions. They will only prove anything more than a nuisance for Moscow if the countries imposing them are willing to stick with them for as long as it takes. Biden's confidence in that willingness, despite his bravado, does not appear to be high. So let's go back to the questions and answers today, G, where we left off. If we can pick it up, um, let's pick it up. Uh, Cecilia Vega, ABC. Good reading. He he reads like a seven-year-old. Sir, sanctions clearly have not been enough to deter Vladimir Putin to this point. What is going to stop him? How and when does this end? And do you see him trying to go beyond Ukraine? And a second question I'll just give to you now. This statement that he gave last night, will, that the, West, the threat that he gave, the West will face consequences greater than any you have faced in history. Is he threatening a nuclear strike? I have no idea what he's threatening. <laughs> I know what he has done, number one. And number two, no one expected the sanctions to prevent anything from happening. Okay, stop. It has to- stop it right there. Get the bumper. No one expected the sanctions to, to, to stop. That has been, well, I don't even need to tell you. I'll just show you. Run it, G. No one expected the sanctions to prevent anything from happening. The purpose of the sanctions has always been and continues to be deterrence. The purpose of the sanctions in the first instance is to try to deter Russia from going to war. The president believes that sanctions are intended to deter. They're meant to prevent and deter a large-scale invasion. We want them to have a deterrent effect. The sanctions are designed in the first instance to try to deter Russia from taking further aggression. As well as our efforts to uh, both try to deter Russia uh, through sanctions. If you pull the trigger on that deterrent, well, then it doesn't exist anymore as a deterrent. No one expected the sanctions to prevent anything from happening. Hmm. The only thing that made that edit better is an explosion after each one of those guys spoke. I mean, so what is what is he talking about? That's been the overarching theme from everybody in the damn administration. That that's exactly what they were supposed to do. Yeah, but the problem is, Damon, it didn't work. So now they have to change the script and go, oh, well, we never really expected it to happen this way. Uh, there was never me- it's, it's almost like the, uh, the vaccine argument. It was never meant to stop the virus. It was just meant to not make you die as much or, we, you know. We never thought Kabul would fall so fast. Right. No, we had yeah. no idea. Yeah. We just didn't see it coming. You see a pattern here? <laughs> Yeah, so as soon as their strategy doesn't work, they flip and go, well, we never expected that. Who said that? Hey, we never claimed to hit them all. Right. Back yeah. to uh, today's video, G. <laughs> Such a joke. It's going to take time, and we have to show resolve so he knows what's coming. And so the people of <laughs> Russia know what he's brought on them. That's what this is all about. This is going to take time. It's not going to occur. He's going to say, oh, my God, these sanctions are coming. I'm going to stand down. He's going to test the resolve of the West to see if we stay together, and we will. We will, and it will impose significant costs on him. Will he go beyond Ukraine, sir? Do you see him going beyond Yes. Thank you. Two topics, just really quick. First, markets are down and gas prices are up. I know you always stress the difference between Wall Street and Main Street, but everybody seems to be in for some economic pain. How economically painful is it going to get for people in this country? And I do have one more question. First of all, 
There's no doubt that when a major nuclear power attacks and invades another country, that the world is going to respond, and markets can respond all over the world. So there's no doubt about that, number one. Number two, the notion that this is going to last for a long time is highly unlikely as long as we continue to stay resolved in imposing the sanctions we're going to impose now, just on Now, stop it for one Russia. second. In the question right before this, Cecilia Vega from ABC, he says to her, this is going to take a long time. <laughs> he just said to the last question, this is going to take a long time. And now he's saying to Peter Ducey, no one expects this to take a long time. <laughs> <laughs> Make up your mind. I mean, this is what was so. I don't even know what the word is. I mean, you should just gravely um, concerned about what I saw today. These answers are all over the place. You think he's threatening a nuclear strike? I don't know what he's thinking. But you're the commander in chief. So do you have people around you telling you? Anything? What do you mean you don't know? You don't know. You must have some thoughts on it. I'm sure you must have talked to your people. They didn't talk about how desperate they think this guy is. Is there something going on? Is he, uh, is he, is is this a legacy move for this guy? 70 years old now, Putin. They must have talked about something. I mean, he had no answers today. And the answers he did have, he was, like here, going against what he just said to the last reporter. And as Andy McCarthy keeps bringing up, we have this resolve. We have to have this resolve, this resolve. President Kemp emphasizing he was trying to minimize the impact of the sanctions on Americans and our allies, particularly in Europe. But there's going to be impact, and it's going to be felt most keenly in the U.S. and Germany, whose economics are mostly entangled with Russia's. But he kept talking about the fact that this, we got to hold the line on these sanctions. And, you know, Germany in these places, they may not have the stomach to do it, which is why you keep hearing about the SWIFT thing today. Well, it may affect the dollar. Okay, may affect the dollar. It's going to affect Germany's ability to um, do a lot more. Since they're, they're locked into having get all, getting this energy from them. But I don't, I don't know. I, I don't know how you watch this today and think that this guy's got any of this under control or, or anything of what we're doing is going to have any effect. Not only that, that, that even has a grasp of the situation. Just something as simple as that, just understanding the entire dynamic behind it and, and what it could possibly lead to and mean. But you know what's amazing, though, to that point? Later on in this, well, let's keep going. Maybe we'll get to it. Go ahead, G. Yeah, he has this What's moment of clarity. Sorry. The next question is, yeah, the Adderall did you in. underestimate Putin? And would you still describe him the way that you did in the summer as a worthy adversary? At the time, he was, I made it clear, as an adversary, and I said he was worthy. I didn't underestimate him. And I've read most of everything he's written. Did you read the, I shouldn't I'm not a wise guy. The, you, <laughs> I wasn't allowed to say that. You heard the speech he made. Almost an hour's worth of speeches why he was going into Ukraine. 
He has much larger yeah. ambitions right in Ukraine. Listen. He wants to, in fact, reestablish the former Soviet Union. That's what this is about. And I think that his, uh, his ambitions uh, are, are completely contrary to the place where the rest of the world has arrived. You're confident that these devastating sanctions are going to be as devastating as Russian missiles and bullets and tanks? Yes, Russian bullets, missiles, and tanks in Ukraine. Yes, I am. No, in uh, New York City. <laughs> All right, stop it for a second. I mean, I, again, I don't, I'm just taking you back to as I was watching this, I'm thinking, Jesus, God help us. And, and back to the Swift thing, he kept saying what we're doing is, is, is more encompassing than Swift. Now, just think about how idiotic that is. If what you're doing is actually more far-reaching and more restrictive than SWIFT, then why would you not include that anyways? Oh, no, we're not taking them out of the SWIFT because what we're doing is even better. I mean, that, that sounds like some used car salesman stuff. <laughs> Doesn't it? Yeah. You know, get the undercoating. You'll be fine. Never have to worry about a thing. What we're doing is better. Oh, but you're not including the thing that you're saying now is worse? Why wouldn't you include it anyways, then, if what you're doing is better? What's the difference? I don't know. to the hour live from studio 6b anything good g that we didn't we got to do sports here but anything good video wise we didn't get to that you thought was really worth eh, we can we can talk about that tomorrow too uh because i have heard that that you know um everybody in russia is on board with what putin's doing i it doesn't seem that way to me at all doesn't seem to me yeah i mean that that, that doesn't look People in the streets in St. Petersburg doesn't, it doesn't, I don't, I don't, I'm not so sure about that. That's what I was told about earlier, how badly, I, how badly we all crave real media, honest, truthful media. We know what it was, time-stamped media. I just wish there was an international way of showing the time, the moment that it's recorded that's, you know, irreplaceable. I, I, I just want to, you know, I, you know, I'm just so used to being lied to by every mainstream outlet, you know, so it's frustrating that you can't get any true journalism. Yeah, well, we can talk a little bit more about that tomorrow. Uh, let's do some sports, though, before we wrap it up and hear what that Slick Rick. Slick Rick, uh, what's going on? Hey, Big D. Well, you asked me, uh, I guess, last week if I've been following anybody interesting on Getter. Well, I got a follow from a fat Fonzie, at Fat Fonzie. I, just I followed him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I just saw it. Yeah, I love the profile. I it's couldn't my, help my face on the My face on the Fonzie, yeah. <laughs> Instead of A, he says way no but anyway yeah fat fonzie you're gonna to want to follow him yeah so uh i saw it 
All right, let's get to our uh, bet on oddsmakers update on that with about 5.30 to go in the first half. <laughs> Illinois right now is up by 5.27, <laughs> So uh, we'll see what happens. Delgado said he wouldn't have taken that pick. He thinks Illinois is a good team. And I, I agree, he's right. Tough pick. But for some reason, OSU was on my radar. So uh, we'll have a recap on that in tomorrow night's show. But uh, just a real quick update because a lot of people have been asking me on Getter and Twitter about keeping up them, them up to date on Major League Baseball. And Major League Baseball games will be canceled, season shortened, if lockout goes past Monday. So at 11.59 Eastern Time Monday night, they either got to have a deal or they're going to be canceling or scheduling this season to a shortened season. Zach Wasink of uh, Yardbarker reporting, representative for Major League Baseball and the MLB Players Association, met for the third consecutive day to attempt to solve financial disagreements and uh, linked with the ongoing lockout that began shortly after midnight on December 2nd, a while ago. And uh, they just not seem. They seems to be at a stalemate. Um, they're off by one hundred and thirty-five thousand dollars a player on the minimum salary. They're off by uh, three picks on the draft lottery and the. Um, the pre-arbitration bonus pool, they're off by $95 million that should be placed in there. Now, I saw a statistic today that Major League Baseball players will lose over $20 million a day uh, if the games are can- when a game's canceled and don't have an update on what the owners stand to lose. But, uh, yeah, it's, it, it's really it's crazy. Um, so uh, we'll be keeping an eye on Major League Baseball. But, guys, looks like we're going to get a shortened season. So we'll see. But here's a great story. Um, this is from Southern Living. This is uh, a... Saints owner gives best response to young girl who applied for head coach job. This is from Tara Masalu McKay. Following uh, longtime coach Sean Payton's end-of-season departure, Saints Nation has been on the hunt for a new head coach. Their search ended with the promotion of defensive coordinator Dennis Allen on February 8th, spelling disappointment for other candidates, hoping for a crack at the job. One of those candidates was Izzy, a young Saints fan from Tennessee who threw her hat into the ring to be considered for the position. Izzy's not the first football novice to seek employment with the Saints, though in December, singer Harry Connick Jr. famously put in a plea to take over as quarterback after Drew Brees turned Turned down the organization's call to leave uh, and retire. Um, so, unfortunately, Izzy went the uh, way of fellow Saints diehard Connick Jr. and did not end up on the staff. However, she got a great letter from the owner of the Saints. And she said, Dear Izzy, thank you for your letter regarding the head coaching position. I'm sorry I received this after we hired Coach Dennis Allen and you were not part of the interview process. It was nice to learn about your family. Please be assured I will pass your letter on to Coach Allen. Should we get an opening, I will let you know. Keep up the good work on your grades. I am proud of you 100% on your math report card stay well continue to work hard in school and always remember you can do anything you 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 work for and set your mind to may you receive many continued blessings with kindness kindness personal regards gail benson ps i have enclosed a football and team photo for you and zach see you at the games in three days the post on twitter has been uh liked by almost five thousand times and has been retweeted 800 times but uh just goes to show you that who dat nation is indeed good people and that was a great answer from gail benson the uh, the owner of the saints so just thought that was a cute little story for that young girl. And that's a wrap in sports, Big D. It's all, all right. yours. Very good, Slick Rick. Thanks. Uh, anything else in news, Paul, you want to do? You know, I just have a brief one. i like to get to some of the clips you guys have. I know Gio worked hard on that. But I don't know if you guys saw this. Michigan Senate approves resolution asserting parents' rights to uh, children's education. The Michigan Senate divided along partisan lines when Republican majority adopted Senate Resolution 0107, which asserts the fundamental rights of parents to direct their children's education. All Democrats uh, voted no on the resolution, and um, the um, the head of the uh, 
of the director of schools had wrote, parents are in the best position to know their own child's needs and circumstances and therefore should maintain authority over all decisions that could impact the health and well-being of their child. In the um, Whereas public schools are directed to listen and respect the wishes of parents in the development of academic standards and curricula. Um, so uh, Ben DeGao, education policy director at the McKinnick Center for Public Policy agrees with the resolution sentiment. Parents have the fundamental right and responsibility to, to direct their children's education, and students benefit gratefully when schools treat parents as trusted partners. Many Michigan moms and dads, frustrated by their experiences with pandemic schooling, are now alert and ready to take a stand for their children. DeGraw continued, rather than resist this development, lawmakers should welcome and encourage it as a key to helping more students learn and succeed. So the worst thing has happened. Normal, hardworking people with two parents in the workforce now know what you stinkers are up to and how bad you're indoctrinating our children and how many Marxist animals have come from colleges. And now we're on to you, you son of a you-know-what. And we're not putting up with it. That's what I have to say about that. And we'll find well, out. We've been, on, we've been on to it. Yeah, but now they are too. God bless them. God yeah. bless America. Um, cut nine G before um, before we get to the end of the show, talking about the sanctions on Biden. When you when you've lost Katie Turr, it may not have been that great a day for you. Roll that. These sanctions. Uh, he's not sanctioning Putin directly. He's not taking away his access to SWIFT. This would fall short of the most major set of sanctions that the president can impose. And I guess the open question now is why not do it now? What else is this administration waiting for? Well, clearly the Europeans were not, not in sync with this. He did not have support from the European community. Oh, he didn't? Yeah, you see Andrea Mitchell has to right away find some defense of it. Yeah. Who's the guy trying to look like Hans from, um, what's his name again? The guy who's trying oh, to look mean, like uh, Hans from... Uh, Hans Gruber? Yeah, Hans Gruber, Hans. That's uh, that's, uh, F. Chuck Todd, right? What's his name again? That's Chuck Todd in that clip. That was Chuck Todd, yeah. Yeah, it's about time. Just shave it all off. Marshall Marshall Billingsley, (laughs) G, you want to throw this up? He used to be the the special envoy and assistant secretary of the Treasury, I believe, for terrorist financing under Trump. He said, uh, below are the sanctions, in my view, not nearly severe enough to jolt the Russian economy in a way that might cause Putin to reconsider or to rupture the elites. The sanctions on uh, uh, Esper Bank and VTB will be felt, but numerous other banks go untouched. He says, because the GOR dominates the financial service industries, they are able to shift assets and reconstitute sanctioned banks to evade our measures by failing to designate the entire financial sector Russia will be able to engineer its way around these bank-specific steps. As a case in point, the Russian government owns a majority stake in four of the five banks that were sanctioned today. They also completely own the two banks Biden sanctioned two days ago. By not designating the central bank and using the EU as an excuse not to go after SWIFT, Biden has not disrupted Russia's cross-border and multi-currency settlement process. This means Russia's ability to export and run a major balance of trade surplus has not been degraded. Mm. This is actually a very good thread. goes on and on. I don't have time to get to it, but I'll, I'll share it on our social media. But not a good day. You should be concerned about what we saw today. We'll continue to talk about it more tomorrow. 
As always, we salute our military, active and active police, firefighters, first responders, EMTs, everybody on the front lines protecting us. Thanks, everybody on the show. Thanks, G. Thanks, Fran. Most of all, thank you to Live from Studio 6B audience. We'll see you tomorrow night. <laughs> Live from Studio 6B.